You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This is John DiGregorio from Movie Loves Unite, and I just want to go on ahead and say thank you to everyone that's been supporting me over the year for doing my movie news podcast, doing my movie page and everything. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's been supporting me. And not only that, but I just want to go on ahead and mention my friend who actually does uh, some promotions and stuff like that. And if you're actually looking for a digital marketer, I strongly recommend that you check out my friend Alexander. And matter of fact, he's actually on Fiverr and it's Alexander650650. And like I said... He does a good job with digital marketing. He also ends up doing your cover art and everything else for your podcast as well. And he just now started doing that and everything. And he does a fantastic job at that. Let me just tell you that. And, you know, like I said, he's good at social marketing. And he's also has a team to actually help him with his podcast hosts to achieve their goals. And his team has professionally digital marketers, content blog writers, and graphic designers and they will help you to take your podcast to another level by producing attractive cover art, like I mentioned, and a touch of professional podcast promotion service. Feel free to ask any questions that you may have. Go on ahead, check them out on Fiverr, and it's Alexander650650, and tell them, t- do me a favor, if you guys are listening to this, if you guys are podcasters, if you guys want someone to actually help you out with your podcast, make sure that you tell him that Movie Lovers Unite actually sent you And as always, until next time, bye-bye. Oh, yeah, one more thing before I actually sign off. And that is the fact, if you guys want to donate towards the show, you guys don't have to at all. But if you guys choose to, it will be greatly appreciated. And here's the thing. You go to buymeacoffee.com slash movieloversunite, and you can donate me a cup of coffee. And a cup of coffee actually means dollars. And you can actually donate me five cups of coffee, ten cups of coffee, or whatever you want me to actually have to actually control my caffeine intake. You guys can go on ahead and for lead, go on ahead and do that and everything, and it'll be greatly appreciated. What it does is it actually helps with keeping the lights on. 
from Movie Lovers Unite. It actually helps with doing giveaways whenever I actually have a chance to actually do digital movie giveaways. It helps with actually having me actually having better podcasting equipment and stuff like that. So go on ahead, donate to me if you feel like it. If you don't, that's okay too. I understand this whole entire pandemic actually has the world upside down right now and you guys can't do it. I totally get it. But Anyways, I hope everybody enjoys their night, and always until next time, bye-bye. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about a little movie that came out last week that was on Lifetime. This is actually going to be my first ever Lifetime original movie review, and you know what? I'm actually happy that I'm actually doing something different, and here's the thing. I'm outside my realm here whenever it comes down to Lifetime original movies, because usually I find them... Number one, the dialogue is off, it's cheesy, boring, and usually I clock myself out around five or ten minutes into watching a Lifetime movie. But with this, on the other hand, it definitely glued me in. It definitely winded up piquing my interest with it, especially whenever I'm actually supporting my friend's cousin who is in this film. And get this, I probably wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't for her being in this film. Not only that, but I also got to see a little bit of her acting ability and... The Stephen King adaptation show of The Outsider, and she does a really good job in that show for a little small part, but this time she actually gets to carry her own film. And, you know, I'm going to be talking about that, then I'm going to be talking about my top five movies that actually cheers us up. So, if you're having a bad day and you're actually wanting to watch some movies that can cheer you up, make you have a better day, make you laugh, these are going to be the movies for you to actually check out. Some of them are actually underrated. Some of them are older films. Some of them are a little bit newer films. But I think you guys are going to like it. And not only that, but I just want to say this too. I'm actually solo tonight. So this might actually be a little bit of a shorter podcast episode than what you're normally uh, able to actually hear. But I hope you guys enjoy this show. And if you also, also too, I just want to say this. If, the top, if you love the topic for the top five movies that actually cheer you up do me a favor go on ahead in the voicemail go ahead and tell us what your top five movies are that cheers you up because i like to actually know what you guys actually have in your top five list for that so with further ado let's go on ahead and talk about this movie a murder to remember this is actually inspired by true events not only that but i love how this movie actually sets up at the very beginning where you actually see Maggie's character, Robin, walking in with the stranger in the sheriff's office. The sheriff's actually asking what actually happened and everything. And the guy's just telling her, telling them, look, my, my rifle misfired and it shot and killed her husband. Well, I love how it just goes into the whole entire flashbacks of what actually happened. And I love how they're actually in the car with Robin and her husband. And they're on this bridge. And... You know, she runs up to him, wraps her legs around his waist, and they're just happy. They're happy because they're actually getting away for a while. They're actually on this campgrounds in October. And also, too, this may actually seem kind of weird for them to actually be out camping in October, especially when October is probably the most coldest, dampest time to actually be out camping. But there's actually other campers out there that are actually camping. So it actually fits in with the story really good. It would be different if they were the only ones camping and then all of a sudden you have this creeper that's actually there. But, you know, I really have to say they actually did a good job at setting that up. But anyways, 
the part that I was getting to was whenever she wraps her legs around her husband's waist, just happy being there. And then pan angles over to the river. And it shows how one side of the coin is the fact that she's actually happy. And then all of a sudden pan angles to the darkness, the dampness of the woods. And of how cold this movie is actually going to be. It sets up the tension really good on that part. And then, you know... In the campgrounds, there's this guy that's there, and he tells, uh, he winds up telling Robin's husband, look, the fish are dead here, there's nothing biting, go ahead and go to this other spot, this other spot is fantastic, there's nothing biting there, all of a sudden they're walking back, and there's this guy with a truck, he's actually stuck in the woods because of the rain and everything, so they, they volunteer to go ahead and push him out of the out of the hole that he's actually in with the mud. And next thing you know it, he tells them another spot saying, oh no, that spot is not a good spot. You're, the guy who told you that is a total liar or whatever. I know another spot. I know this was like the back of my hand. Well, next thing you know it, he gets lost doing the same kind of, he gets lost with the fork in the road and everything else. And the next thing you know it, Maddie gets out with her tackle box and then as she's getting her tackle box out and everything, she sees a deer. So, next thing you know, the guy in the truck grabs his shotgun, and then the boyfriend, well, not the boyfriend, but the husband starts running after the guy to actually see him hunt this deer down, because he's probably never seen someone actually shoot a deer before, so this is something new to him. So, anyways, Manny's over there getting her tackle box and everything, and all of a sudden, she hears a gun go off. The rifle goes off. She goes running into the woods, and next thing you know, she sees her dead husband laying on the ground. And, of course, we know at that point in time that the guy actually uh, killed her kill, killed her husband and said that the rifle accidentally went off and the safety was off, and he was sorry that he killed, accidentally killed her husband and everything. And then, of course, it flashes right back to um, the, police, the sheriff's department, and I have to say... The woman who plays the sheriff in this film is really good. I really loved her acting ability as well. And that is none other than Leslie Hendricks who plays the sheriff. And, you know, she's questioning why they were even there on October. And you could definitely tell that this actress is glued in to being this character who actually wants to help this girl out. And also, too, the guy is also a little too friendly to the point where it's like, okay... Is this guy shady? Is he really trying to help her? Or is he just trying to help himself out? Or anything like that? And is he... Did he do something to her in the woods? And I love that whole entire questioning of his character. Because of the fact that at first you're thinking he's a real nice guy or whatever. Especially whenever she winds up saying, well, it wasn't for him. Or anything. I wouldn't have gotten out of the woods. So she's actually saying that he's actually the hero and everything for getting them out of the woods. And then later on, she starts having flashbacks of remembering uh, that he actually shot her, shot her husband. And I really loved how glued in that Maddie was actually into this role. Because you actually do feel frightened for her. You actually do feel some type of emotion for her. And especially whenever he rapes her and puts her through the hell that, she, that he puts her in and everything. She actually does a fantastic job at actually showing that emotion. And you feel something for her. And you want her to actually get this guy in prison. She wants 
and you want her to seek justice for what this guy has done, especially whenever he gets his crooked lawyer in there, and then, you know, he winds up trying to pin everything on her, and then Maddie actually has to go through this uh, hypnosis to actually, to where she can remember everything that actually happened to her. This movie is bought on a good movie. There is a couple of cheesy elements in this, like, for instance, when the sheriff says, uh, whenever the, one of the sheriffs says, well, we have the background records of the guy that was in the woods with her and everything. Do you want me to email it to you? She said, yeah. Well, there's this big, well, old older model laptop. So I'm not sure if they're trying to set this into a different type of 1990s kind of setting or whatever else, because I'm not sure what time period this setting is actually in. But that was actually kind of cheesy because I wasn't sure of the time period that they were actually in. But it actually works out for this film, though, because the sheriff actually plays it off really good. And then she's actually horrified at the background check that she's done, especially whenever they did the interrogation on the guy. And, of course, he actually t shows that he told the truth while Maddie actually struggled with her whole entire interrogation whenever it came down to lie detector tests and whenever he actually passed his. But the struggle within herself, trying to forgive herself for making her husband help the guy to actually her husband's death and also blaming herself for that and also to the husband's mother and father-in-law the mother the father the father-in-law is mostly mad at maddie and everything aka robin because of the fact that her uh their son is no longer with them so that's actually understandable it's all part of the grieving process and everything too because he's actually misjudging her based off of the events that actually happened so like I said, this film is perfectly well done, perfectly well executed. I really had a lot of fun watching this film. Well, not fun, but I actually enjoyed this film more than I thought I would. And let me just tell you this. Maddie is going to be one of those actresses that you're going to keep an eye, that you have to keep an eye on because I think she's actually going to go far in this business because if she can actually make me feel glued into a lifetime film, and make me care about the character that she's playing and actually the creepiness of that character that was in this film that she's actually afraid of. She's going to go far. She's going to go far in this place. And let me explain to you what I mean by the creepiness of this guy. Like there's layers to this guy. One minute he's actually acting like a normal human being where he actually acts like he wants to help her. And then all of a sudden he changes his whole entire thing where he's like, take off those clothes. And next thing you know, he winds up raping her and everything. But she also has stalker syndrome as well. So, therefore, she winds up acting like that she actually fell in love with the guy that she kidnaps and everything and has that little relationship there and also brainwashes her. So, that's also another key factor, too, with Stalker Syndrome. So, I actually like the fact that they actually did Stalker Syndrome and actually explained what Stalker Syndrome is in case anybody hasn't even heard of what Stalker Syndrome is. So, I really loved how they actually played with that. Then, also, too, the guy also told her that he actually works for the CIA and... Uh, some type of government agency and this helicopter is hovering over him and everything he's trying to hide out from him and it's all bs and everything but you know i loved how that character was able to try and play into that whole entire aspect but this film works out really well for a lifetime film it does have a little bit of cheesy dialogue here and there but not enough for me to actually pull it out pull out of this film or anything like that and i like i said maddie nichols does a fantastic job acting in this film I have to say, if you haven't seen this film at all, go ahead and check this out on Lifetime because I promise you, you guys are not going to 
be disappointed with her performance at all. Her performance is really good for a Lifetime film. And like I said, even her performance in The Outsider was really good. So check that out too. So now I'm going to be talking about my top five movies that actually cheers me up whenever I'm having a bad day, going through things, going through emotions and stuff like that. So the very first movie that I want to talk about is a movie that came out in 2008. It's, in my honest opinion, it's actually underrated if you actually think about it, especially whenever I feel like this movie should have been, uh, should have been talked about a lot more. And that movie is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It has Jason Segel in it. It has... Uh, it also has Russell Brand in this film, and I have to say, this film makes me laugh from beginning to finish, especially the part where uh, Peter's actually trying to forget about Sarah Sarah, and everything, because not only that, but Sarah Marshall is actually an actress, and Peter actually just is one of those guys that actually operates the keyboard for the theme songs for her, her show, and I actually liked the chemistry between Sarah Marshall and also Peter, which is also played by Jason Segal. But, you know, I really thought that this film was really good for the time that I was actually going through something. And, you know, this film makes me laugh every single time I watch it. And, you know, like I said, he's struggling with a relationship of his girlfriend leaving him. And, you know... And a matter of fact, Christian, Kristen Bell is actually the one who plays Sarah Marshall. You actually have Mila Kunis in this film who plays Rachel. You have Russell Brand, like I mentioned. You also have Paul Rudd who plays a little bit of a cameo. Then you have Bill Hader in this film. And Bill Hader actually plays his stepbrother, uh, Jason Segel's uh, stepbrother. And he does a he's hilarious in this film and everything. But, like I said... Jason Segal is actually struggling with the fact that his girlfriend leaves him. And so he decides that the only way to actually forget about her is to go to Hawaii, which is actually a big mistake, which I don't understand why you would actually go to Hawaii to forget about your ex because of the fact that that's actually the most romantic, exclusive place that you can actually go to because you have people getting married there. As a matter of fact, he actually pokes fun at people getting married over there. He, and not only that, but it's actually the most romantic place that you can actually go to besides Paris and everything. And he goes there to actually forget about her. And then all of a sudden she winds up in Hawaii with Russell Brand, with her new boyfriend. And so anyways, he goes into this hotel thinking without a reservation that he can actually get into this hotel. Mila Kunis is actually working the front desk. And she tells him that the only thing that they have available is the... Uh, Kapui sweet, I believe that's how you actually say it. And she and he said, Look, I can't afford that or anything like that. Do you have anything else? No, we're all booked up. Well, he was about to leave, and all of a sudden Sarah comes in with her no boyfriend, and he's just as dumb as rocks. And I, I at this point in everything, we actually see Russell Brand for the very first time. So whenever I first saw him, I thought he had very good comedic timing with that film. And then also too, whenever he says, Excuse me, miss, I'm looking for my shoe. Uh, my shoe it kind of looks like this one but it's uh the twin of my shoe so i thought that was actually a little bit of a clever line that he actually used in that but at that point you know sarah actually asked peter well why are you here he goes i came here to murder you and that punchline made me laugh out loud because it had that little bit of a dark humor to it and stuff like that but Mila Kunis goes, you know what? I just remembered that we actually have a suite in the Kapoa suite. 
And he goes, I can't afford that. She goes, nobody can't. Not, uh, the only ones that actually stay there is like Oprah Winfrey and big time celebrities. But he acts like he's the big shot and everything goes, well, if you need me, I'll be up in the Kapua suite. And so anyways, he's talking to his brother on the phone. And this is actually the scene that actually makes me laugh my ass off because of the fact that he's actually trying to forget about Sarah. And then Sarah, he's passing Sarah's room and he's waving to him. And Bill Hader, he's talking to Bill Hader and he goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm waving to him. Don't you, and he's yelling at him on the phone and Peter actually has the phone down to him, but you can actually hear, hear Bill Hader's voice over the phone and cussing at him, yelling at him for waving to him. He goes, well, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I just ruined her day. No, you did not ruin her day. He just had Karma Sutra all over the place in that hotel room. That's what just happened. But... You know, I really thought this film was really smart at trying to get into the whole entire mindset of someone trying to get through a breakup. And also, too, it's one of those films that, you know, that can actually make you feel good about yourself at towards the end of this film. And also, too, you know, there's actually a healing process when you're dealing with breakups and everything, too. But if you're having a bad day, if you're having the worst day... Check out Forgetting Sarah Marshall because this film is really smart. It's really witty. It's it's hilarious. Not only that, but let me just tell you another part real quick. And that's the part where Peter's actually actually telling the doctor that he thinks that he has an STD. And he goes, Peter, you don't have an STD. He goes, I don't? No. You don't have an STD. He goes, just look at it. He goes, I'm not looking at your dick. He goes, come on, just, just look at it. He goes, okay, fine. So he looks at it. He goes, yeah, it's a nice dick. Put it away. He goes, wear protection. He goes, that's it? He goes, Peter, for crying out loud, there's kids running around. I'm a pediatrician. You're sitting on a fire truck. That part made me crack up laughing with that scene. So Forgetting Sarah Marshall is definitely one of those films that you should check out. And also, too, another film that I really recommend is a film called Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds. And this film still makes me laugh today. And it's got Tina Fey, not Tina Fey, but it's actually got a pretty well cast in this film. And I, I really have a lot of fun watching this film. And it also is about this guy who's like overweight, who wants to get with his best friend. And he actually loves her. He actually cares about her, but he is all, definitely doesn't have any confidence at all. Because number one, he's overweight. He actually sees the guys that she's actually going out with, which is big, huge, jock-looking guys that actually have muscles, abs, and everything that he doesn't have. And so, not only that, but he also gets picked on really bad to the point where he actually moves away. And matter of fact, he actually goes out to Los Angeles to be, and he actually writes a book on how to actually better yourself and better your life and... You know, he's actually a manager, he's actually managing uh, another artist as well, and, you know, I just thought that this film was really funny, and let me just tell you who's actually in this thing. You have Anna Faris in this movie, you have Amy Smart, who actually plays the best friend, but Anna Faris is, um, plays a psycho ex-girlfriend who he actually has to manage, because she has a, she actually has a music career, and... Let me just tell you this, Anna Ferris sucks at singing, but it makes it that much funny because she actually sings and she is, she's actually that much annoying when you, you, she gets introduced into this film. And she's also psycho as well. So I thought that the chemistry between Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris was really good. I really liked the part where 
uh, he actually come where Ryan Reynolds actually comes home because he has no choice but to come home because of the fact that plane actually had to make a quick emergency landing because of Anna Faris. So he has no choice but to bunk with his mom back at his old house again. His room still looks the same. His uh, little brother still lives at home, of course, because he's still in high school. And he has a huge crush on, crush on Anna Faris. And Amy Smart is still living in the same small town. And, of course, he still has feelings for her and everything. But now he's actually tied up with Anna Faris. And even though they're not together or anything like that, Anna Faris still finds a way to ruin his life no matter what. And my favorite part that actually happens on this film is the fact that when Anna Faris actually shows the little brother that she actually has a she actually has a taser gun and so he accidentally tases her in the mall and then makes her fall over a balcony that part made me laugh and then also too when Ryan is actually arguing with himself in the car and I swear this is like a told Deadpool moment where he's like and that's just a, that's that part just made me laugh and all of a sudden she just taps on the window and everything because he's having a nervous breakdown because he wants to tell her how he feels but he's too much of a coward to actually tell her how he feels because he still has that image in his head of who he used to be and everything and not only that but even his own town remembers him for who he was and he's no longer the fat guy anymore and everybody keeps on reminding him of who he is and he doesn't want to accept the fact that's his past and I love that whole entire struggle where he's actually trying to forget where he actually came from. But the more that he forgets, his own town makes him remember who he is as a person. And I like that. I like the fact that, you know, just because you move out of a, out of a town does not mean that the town people don't forget who you are. And don't matter how, who you are. That's, that's who you are. And then you also have the whole entire deal where... He's actually ice skating and playing hockey and things like that. This film is so filled with laughs that you're going to laugh your ass off the whole entire film just about. Especially whenever he sings that song, I Swear, which is just, it brings me back to the days of the 90s whenever almost everybody on the talent show was singing that song, I Swear. But anyways, if you haven't seen that movie, go on ahead and check that out. I'm actually going to probably talk about this a little bit more in detail when we do our top 10 comedies. But this is something that I really have to say is one of my favorite films to watch whenever I'm being want to be cheered up. Then there's also an underrated film with Drew Barrymore, and you also have Ben Stiller in this film. And what basically they're husband and wife, and they move into this duplex, but they want to actually buy the duplex. And in order for them to do that, they have to get rid of this little old lady that lives upstairs. Well, this little old lady gives them hell like little literally hell like for instance Ben Stiller tries to get rid of her by uh, aggravating her with a clap on light and and everything because she always listens here's the thing her TV is up so loud to the point where they actually have to do something so when he does this he goes on ahead plugs up the clap on and he starts doing the clap on where he's actually clapping to make it something shut off. It actually works for a little bit. Then all of a sudden the old lady winds up doing the clap on as well. She discovers of the fact that someone went into her apartment and actually put the clap on on. And of course she's annoying him with that. Then 
there's also another thing too is he's also a writer so he's trying to write his book and everything and every single time whenever he tries to write his book something bad would always happen there was always something going on with the old lady upstairs between the pipes being um had to be fixed between uh different things going on in the apartment itself with her it got to the point where he was just being annoyed with everything that she was doing. Not only that, but Drew Barrymore also is a working woman as well. So, you know, she's just trying to support her husband also and tell him, hey, look, just go to Starbucks. Even at Starbucks, though, she finds a way to annoy him. And this film is filled with laughs. And there's also another part, too, that I remember where he decides to give her surround sound. And... She blares that whole entire thing to the point where the apartment is actually shaking. And then, and then there's also another thing that actually happens where Drew Barrymore and, and Ben Stiller decides to get try and give her the flu. So they actually start going near people that actually have the flu, sniffing in their germs and everything else. And then they wind up getting sick. The woman doesn't get sick and they're miserable and the little lady actually makes them the soup. And that just puts the nail in the coffin pretty much. So if you haven't seen this movie, The Duplex, I strongly recommend that you guys actually see that. That movie is actually underrated. I'm not sure where you can actually stream that at, but I strongly recommend that you guys actually check out The Duplex because I think that you guys are actually going to like it. It's actually written by John Grisham. So if you haven't read the book or saw that, seen that movie, go ahead get that give that movie a shot because I think that you guys might actually like it. So, my next film that I'm going to be talking about is The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And this is a movie that stars Steve Carell. Seth Rogen plays a little short part in it as well. A little cameo role. Same thing with Paul Rudd. And, you know what? This is actually the first time we actually see Paul... Well, not the first time I saw Paul Rudd. But the first time that I saw him as an adult. As, as somebody that's in this comedy. Because I remember seeing him in Halloween 6. The Curse of Michael Myers. But I didn't actually get to see his full-on comedy potential until I became an adult to see the 40-year-old version. And then Seth Rogen, of course, for his very first cameo role. Well, not cameo role, but his very uh, small role. He does a fantastic job in this film. And I love when Andy tells him what, his, what he does every single day. And he's like, yeah, I went on ahead, got me some eggs and everything. I thought about having egg salad, but then I decided not to. And then behind his back, he goes, oh, that sounds really interesting. And it's just one of those things that you have with co-works where they're like so boring, where you actually want to actually blow your brains out. And that's actually the movement that Seth Rogen actually makes whenever he's actually telling about his story. But the four-year-old version is just about this guy who never lost his virginity or anything like that. And Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, and I forgot who the other guy is that actually wants to actually help him lose his virginity. But it's more than likely them just making fun of him for being a virgin at 40 years old. I also like the part where uh, where Andy is actually still riding a bicycle. And then Seth Rogen goes, who the hell rides a bicycle? What are you, 10? <laughs> I love that. There's also uh, these other stuff that he actually has in the apartment as well, where you actually have these uh, collectible action figures that's from the 1950s, 1960s, that's actually worth a lot of money. And then there's also the girl from Two Broke Girls that's in it. Then, of course, he's actually trying to sleep with her mother, and he actually is in love with her mother, 
and everything, but that goes awry, especially whenever you see the condom scene. The condom scene is actually really funny if you haven't seen it. Basically, Andy does not know how to use a condom, and he's over there doing like an Aquaman impression with the condom on, with his arm in the condom, just Aquaman. It is just nonstop laughing ridiculousness all the way through this film. This film is one of those things that you can actually watch with a friend and just have a good time with. You don't have to take anything too seriously. This film will actually cheer you up and everything. Everybody's humor is different though. So comedy is the most subjective thing that you can actually find. But I find humor and certain things that people may not find funny. But hey, you guys might actually like it. So... My last film came out in 1997, and this movie is an older film. Like I said, this movie came out in 1997. This movie stars Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, Greg Kinnear, and Cuba Gooding Jr., and this film is none other than As Good As It Gets. And I'm just going to tell you this. This film has drama, it's got romance, it's got comedy in it. No wonder why it was nominated for an Academy Award. This film was one of my favorite films of 1997 as a kid, seeing this film. But it's also very controversial if you actually think about it in today's time, especially whenever Jack Nicholson is actually making fun of uh, the gay character Simon, who is actually played by uh, Greg Kinnear. But underneath the surface of that, his character actually changes throughout the movie. Jack Nicholson's character does. And that's what I like about it is the fact that you have this character who's very complex, very superstitious, very into himself, and also not very caring. And then all of a sudden, throughout the movie, he actually changes. Between him falling in love with Helen Hunt, between Grey Kinnear and everything actually becoming friends and everything, this film will actually tug on your heartstrings. This movie will actually be one of those movies that you can actually watch with a friend, with a girlfriend, with anybody that you can actually think of. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a plot and everything. This Jack Nicholson actually plays a guy named Melvin. Melvin is an obsessive compulsive writer of romantic fiction, which is actually crazy, especially whenever he treats people like crap, but he's a... And, you know... I find that kind of funny, though, because you actually have this guy who's a romantic writer, but he's also rough on the edges, and he's not very romantic in his real life, but he knows how to actually write something that's actually romantic. So I actually like that irony of the fact that he's a, a romantic in the books, but not uh, not in the sheets, so to speak. <laughs> but anyways, um, he's also rude to everyone he needs, like I said. And he's and like I said, he's even mean to his gay uh, gay neighbor, and he, by the way, Greg Kinnear does a really good job, he's actually plays a, an artist who's trying to get recognized for his artwork, and of course, Cuba Gooding Jr. also plays his manager, and of course, Jack Nicholson does not like him, does not like his dog, he actually puts his dog through one of those garbage shoots and everything, and then this one guy winds up jumping Greg Kinnear, and so anyways, he winds up taking care of the dog for a while, and then that's whenever the friendship and the bonding actually starts happening in this film. Because he winds up liking the dog after a certain, after a while. To the point where his character starts changing with that. And then he's also rude to Helen Hunt as well inside the dining area. Because he has to sit in a certain spot in this restaurant. And like I said, he's over compulsive. 
He's he's really ridiculous on the superstitions, like stepping on the cracks. It may break your mother's back. Between uh, unlocking and locking doors. The stuff that he actually does and comes up with is all in his mind. is a force of habit with him. And he also doesn't like uh, bumping into somebody else or anything like that. He's also a germaphobe and everything. He also wears gloves at the dinner table. And, of course, this actually would probably be a little bit better suited for today since we have the coronavirus. But still, <laughs> it's actually a really good film. Uh, but, like I said, when he took after Simon's dog, he begins to soften up. And he's still completely over his, um, completely over his pr- uh, problems and finds he can conduct a relationship with the only waitress at the local diner who will serve him. So, he not only that, but... Helen Hunt is also dealing with a lot of stuff, too. Like, her son actually has some type of uh, asthma or something like that. I forgot exactly what's wrong with her uh, son. But one day, she doesn't show up for work for Jack Nicholson's character. That's total hell. Like, his whole entire day is ruined. So, what does he do? He calls up a doctor to go and take care of her son so that way he she can serve him at the restaurant. So, it was the most inconsiderate thing that he could do to her. And if this was actually somebody that was actually charismatic and actually did that for her, she would actually took it at a different level. But, considering the fact that he's inconsiderate towards other people, he's rude towards other people, he doesn't care about anybody but himself at that time and point and everything, it just shows how much of a rude person this guy actually is. And then, like I said, he softens up a lot and, and everything. That's his character arc. That's what I loved about this film was the fact that his character actually changes rather than stays the same. And like I said, he's a very superstitious person. He's one of those people that's very complex and everything. And like I said, I just find the irony of the fact that he's a romantic writer, but he's not romantic anywhere in his real life. So there's that. So if you guys want to check out this romantic comedy and everything. I strongly recommend that you guys check it out. It's very good. Jack Nicholson does a really good job in this film. You might actually say maybe Jack Nicholson might be playing himself, but overall, he's actually playing the character the way it's supposed to be in the script, and it's really good. So if you haven't seen As Good As It Gets, check it out. It's a really good feel-good movie. It'll make you laugh and make you cry. It'll actually have a little bit of drama in it and everything. It makes you feel good towards the end of it. So check that out, and of course, you know, this is going to be the end of the show. Like I said, this was only going to be a 30-minute show. And, you know, whenever I'm solo, I just like to keep it short and everything because of the fact that I just feel like that with 30 minutes and everything, you guys get a lot of content from me within the 30 minutes itself. But I'm going to be interviewing a independent actor coming up Friday. He's actually going to be in a new Netflix movie. He has a little bit of a short part in that film, and that's going to be a Jamie Foxx film called Project Runway. So we're going to be interviewing, I'm going to be interviewing him for that and also asking him some other questions. So if you also have any questions that you would love for me to ask him, go on ahead, send me out a voicemail message. Also, too, send me out a Twitter uh, message as well or tweet me at John DiGregorio at Movie Lovers Unit. And I'll be glad to go on ahead and let him answer any questions that you may have. He worked with Nicolas Cage. He worked with Jason Gore, Joseph Gordon-Lovitz. He worked with a bunch of other stars. So if you really want to know what uh, the level of acting that he's actually done, go on ahead, listen to that interview on Friday. And always, until next time, bye-bye.